politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew the issues that matter in the way they matter. And most importantly, at the time they actually matter, not when it's too late, when the ball is no longer in play. We are here right at kickoff time. See our podcast, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for Friday, May the 5th, El Stinco de Mayo. And get used to it because uh, this is what we're going to be celebrating rather than July 4th if we don't stay focused and committed. It's funny, just a brief word on that. (laughs) You know, as I think about the fact that Republicans always focus on the issue when it no longer matters, it took 25 years to get the GOP to even get to the point of fake rhetorically indulging our grievances on illegal immigration and, of course, not doing what it takes. We talked about this with the governors um, refusing to take action when they could totally solve this issue. So always, always late to the game. And really, that's how it is on every issue. And today, I want to focus actually on energy, the Green New Deal, and how the red states are leading on it in the worst possible way even as rhetorically they kind of criticize Biden on it. But when you look carefully, they are gratuitously greasing the skids for net zero Agenda 2030, which means net zero humanity. Carbon is like a um, you know, a sanitized way of eugenics. Oh, we're going to eliminate the carbon footprint, carbon neutral. Yeah, I mean, that means death and poverty. That That's, that's what it means. So Republicans control the largest swath of land in America. That's very important. We all, all always talk about population, like a 50-50 country. But in terms of land mass, they control most of it. Now you say, well, who cares? But it's the people who vote. The, the cows and soil don't vote. Except the land mass matters in terms of energy. And without the red state land mass... They could not implement this agenda. Republicans are helping it. We're going to talk about in the state of South Dakota coming up. Um, but first, I do want to just update a little bit on the other issue. Republicans, I guess, don't even indulge and lie about, but they're downright on the other side of medical freedom. We're sponsored today by JaceMedical.com. I just saw somewhere that 21 of 36 critical drugs are in shortage. So the FDA has 36 critical drugs you need. 21 out of the 36 are in shortage. That's not an accident. It's by design. The supply chain nonsense, the China nonsense, and our entire convoluted medical system does that. What are you going to do when they unleash the next thing and you need antibiotics You know, right there? You can't assume you're going to get it because even now it's in shortage. That's why I'm asking everyone to join me and go to Jace Medical. It's J-A-S-E medical.com. Put in promo code review at at uh, checkout and fill out a questionnaire so they can give you a prescription because they are licensed to give a prescription. They have to make sure there are people that are allergic to penicillins or things like that. So there's amoxicillin, doxycycline, um, azithromycin, two others in there. So they'll work with you. They might give you a call if if you fill out something and say, hey, okay, we'll do, you know, instead of this one, we'll do another one that will tailor make it to you. So if you feel you have an allergy 
Don't feel bad. Put that down. They'll likely give you a call and work it out. Again, jsmedical.com, offer code review. So I, I just, I, I want to make sure I don't forget this. I didn't want to spend too much time on it today. But again, there's nothing that could come out about these shots that are going to make a difference anymore. Unless we use rote political power to have the top voices in conservative politics give voice to it and demand specific law changes in the places where we have the leverage to do so, it's not going to matter. Um, but I just wanted to point out here, it's truly unbelievable. So, number one, this is from Nature uh, Magazine, nature.com, pretty you know, prestigious journal. Brand new, just published this week. Risk assessment of retinal vascular oculation after COVID-19 vaccination. We've talked a lot about the fact that there are so many eye problems, that you have these inflammatory disorders in the eye. You have people having eye cornea transplants rejected years after they got the transplant once they get the shot. And, and all along, what that tells you is, the reason why it's so important, we could talk about 50 million parts of the body that are affected. But the reason why this is so important is because the eye wall is so freaking hard to get to. God made it hard to get to it for a reason. There's so many barriers, blood barriers, the blood-brain barrier obviously has to be initially passed. And somehow this thing manages to get the immune system response up there. So this paper is earth-shattering. And again, all these losers, Republican governors, Congress, legislators, nothing. They don't even know about it. Nature magazine, they found that individuals with vaccination had a higher risk of all forms of retinal vascular oculation. So that's blood clots in the vessels in the eyes. Two years, two years after vaccination with an overall hazard ratio of 2.19. So in other words, you're more than double, more than doubles your risk two years later for blood clots in the eye. So the reason why that's so earth shattering is we don't call it a clot shot for no reason. Number one, that demonstrates that this thing goes to the most guarded parts of the body. Number two, it shows the blood clotting is so rampant. Number three, it shows the blood clotting could last. It's not just in the eye. The eye is the most guarded area. So you got to believe that the risk, see, this is what's very disturbing. We were hoping that, okay, people aren't getting the shot anymore. And, and, and for the last really year or so, certainly last six to eight months, very few people have gotten new shots. So you hope, okay, you know, there's a lot of problems, but by now, if you haven't had a problem... You should be, it, 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 the bleeding should stop, so to speak, pun intended. But what this raises concerns is that it's almost like a silent killer at any point. It could create blood clotting. And that's what's very, very scary. And, and, and that it's even two years later, even in the eye wall. The cumulative incidence of retinal vascular oculation was significantly higher in the vaccinated cohort compared to the unvaccinated cohort. Two years and 12 weeks after vaccination. The risk of retinal vascular oculation significantly increased during the first two weeks and persisted for 12 weeks. 
Additionally, individuals with the first and second dose of Pfizer and Moderna had significantly increased risk of retinal vasculation two years following vaccination with no disparity between brand and dose. Um, I don't know what to say. And, and it's worse than I'm even making out to be, but I didn't have the time to delve into it. I don't know, folks. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What more can we do? Do you have any advice? How do we get people to understand? This is utterly insane. And related to that, the, the one other story I want to get to on, on medicine before we move on is there's a story out here from JAMA International. JAMA International, I mean, this is, again, top journals. They looked at 21 statin trials, 143,532 participants. So we had this three, four-decade-long thing of putting everyone over 55 on statins, high cholesterol. The benefits of statins were minimal, and most trial participants who took statins derived no clinical benefit. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to delve into it too much, but... Basically, the whole thing was a lie. Now, interestingly enough, there are, it's funny, sometimes they'll produce something for something and it has a better use for other things. We found statins to be somewhat of a use in treating um, COVID and long COVID, maybe even vaccine injury, I don't know. But, uh, you know, because again, it has to do with the blood, you know, blood disorders and vascular problems. So um, the, the statins are, you know, it, it, uh, it's a, they're kind of like anti-lipids, so they ha hang out in the fatty sacs and somehow gets rid of it, whatever. But for what they created it for, it was a big lie. And we, we've seen this with the uh, psych medications, the antidepressants. I mean, there has been a pharma genocide. See, once I start on this, I can't finish, so I don't want to continue. But at some point, we'll delve in deeper. I mean, Operation Paperclip. That was the operation post-World War II when they brought in the Nazi scientists to Fort Detrick and other places. And a big part of our pharma agenda post-World War II, it's literally the Third Reich. That's It's the Fourth Reich. It, it, it's not just that they echoed it. They actually started with their scientists. I mean, this whole experimentation regime, you look at the Americans' health and what's, what's happened the last number of decades, culminating with, obviously, the recent years— I mean, again, I'm just going to reiterate, this is the biggest pro-life issue you could ever think of. So that's why we're obviously going to keep healthcare policy in general in, in, the, in the forefront. Um, but, but I want to get to the other issue, which is energy. Truly, truly unbelievable. Um, first, our sponsor today, Patriot Academy, my favorite organization, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Why do you want to go there? Do you know how to shoot? And I don't just mean, okay, I could put the gun on the tray at the at the range and quietly prepare, line up my shot, and you know, get a pretty good shot. That's target practice. That's that's not that's not defensive handgun training. That if you're walking down the street and you have some BLM guys uh you know come at you, are you prepared to win that gunfight? Could you properly in a timely fashion with the right control of your emotions, of your finger, of your gross and fine motor skills, 
make the shot that will save your life and that of a loved one. It, it is the most serious program, but also so much fun coming out with people in this audience, uh, other patriots, and learning. Their, their, they have a three-day and five-day course. If you go, you'll see for the rest of this month, June, July, basically every two weeks they have a course, so see which one works for you. I'll let you know which one I'm going to go out for. Again, we had a blast um, in in April. So again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel is where to find out more information on that. It's not just enough to espouse your support for the Second Amendment, but live it. But this is what we have. We have a Republican Party, conservative movement. Oh, I'm for drilling. Oh, I'm against the Green New Deal. But as I talked about a couple times this week, every time we have an opportunity to affect that policy, not only don't they fight it, but the Republicans agree to the premise of carbon being a pollutant, that human output will make a difference, that that makes a difference in global temperatures. You know, and it's just we need to maybe do it in a smarter way than what the Democrats want to do. So they endorse reducing carbon. They endorse clean energy. They endorse ethanol. They endorse solar. They endorse wind. They endorse electric cars. They help build the infrastructure that will lead to what they openly say is a transition, transition to hell. This is out in the open. The Republican governors are doing this. And they've been doing it for quite some time. So one of the worst forms of this, what we talk about a lot recently, is carbon capture. They're basically, rather than saying, what do you mean, you're going to have net zero is net zero humanity. They're like, yes, carbon's a problem. But here's an idea. Let's capture the carbon. So we'll continue to have some sort of, you know, fossil fuels as we transition. Don't get rid of it right away. But we'll car- we'll do carbon capture. And, and, and you can tell that is an extremely destructive program because it greases the skids for the premise that it's almost like a, a seatbelt. You you can't drive without a seatbelt. You cannot, yeah, we could have, you know, oil, gas, power plants, but we need it only if you have what they call um, CCS, carbon capture and sequestration, so that they somehow suck up the carbon from the air and route it through pipelines under our ground so our underground will be nothing but a bunch of carbon caves and then it will be stored forever at a, at a landing zone someplace underground in large caves forever. I mean, it's the most retarded thing I've ever heard of in my life. Obviously, it's extremely tedious and expensive, extremely ineffective, and literally, um, supposedly what's been done so far is sequestering about one-tenth of one percent of the carbon that the industry has put out, which is only a certain percentage of the human input of carbon, and the human input of carbon is something like, I've seen different figures, three to five percent of what's put out in that in the atmosphere. Most of, most of it is natural, um, and then of course that presupposes that that's a problem, and that that somehow is a correlation, much less causation, behind warming, even though there hasn't been warming for eleven years, coinciding with the greatest output of carbon. But whatevs. So Republicans still agree to that premise, and it's just it is it is maniacal. It is utterly maniacal, okay? Um, Basically, according to Robert Bryce, we would need to find an underground location 
able to swallow a volume equal to the contents of 41 oil super tankers each day, 365 days a year, for the rest of time. It's the same thing with the with the electric cars. They know it's not sustainable. It's a it's a trap. You transit. Oh yeah, no, this is the Republican version. So what they do is, they they can't go from a hundred to zero. So what they do is they have their cake and eat it too. On the way towards, see, we used to think green energy was the Fed, but it's not really. The Fed is zero energy. But on the way to that, why not also pay off your cronies and make money off of things that can never succeed in, in a free market, but in a communist market can succeed? So that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing here. Now, I'm here to tell you that this is all being done. Carbon capture is mainly a Republican thing. It's mainly a Republican thing. And now, obviously, you need, you're not going to be doing carbon capture in like an urban setting. You need a lot of land. So they're picking land. And this is where I really want to get into our next guest from South Dakota and, and the main course today. So, folks, in order to introduce this and our next guest, I have a story to tell you. So I'm from the state of Maryland, communist, horrible, transhumanist state. There's no level to the depth of depravity. I mean, criminal over victim, human rights get thrown out. Um, You're a criminal if you don't wear a mask, but not if you murder in Baltimore. Horrible place. I want to get out of here. So let's say I have a dream, dream and I'm like, man, you know, I want to get away from this urban 15-minute city hell, banning plastic bags, the green agenda. They're going to ban cars here in Maryland. Uh, you know, they're banning carbon, not crime. Crime's great, carbon's bad. And again, carbon means human humanity. So, you know what? Where do I go? And, and I'm struggling, as you well know, and I think a lot of us are talking about this. Where do we go? Because most red states aren't really red. And I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to move out to northeastern, north-central South Dakota. God's country, wide open plains. I mean, you, you look at the electoral map there, you're talking about 80, 20, 90, 10, you know, Republican counties, uh, sparsely populated, own a bunch of acreage. Uh, you're free of Agenda 2030. You're free of everything. And you could live out your life, life, liberty, property rights, all the essentials. And, and just turn off the noise and maybe find some way to support myself. And it's very attractive. It's something I want to do. But then I move out. I don't know. Let's say a place like McPherson County, McPherson County, like, you know, North Central, uh, 1,300, uh, uh, maybe like 2,400 population, 9010 Trump County. And wow, that's, this, is, this is a heaven on earth. But then something funny happens. Then I get a knock on my door that a company called Summit Carbon Solutions, owned and funded by the biggest Republican donors and officials in uh, the north-central part of the country, is creating a pipeline, and they want my land. And I say, all right, well, you know, you're going to have a pipeline and uh, really funnel in all of that uh, oil and gas and helps the prosperity, helps serve as a bulwark against the tyranny and the transhumanist agenda, the anti-freedom agenda, 
all right, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, you'll pay me handsomely and I'm willing to do it and maybe be able to, I'll move to another place. But no, that's not what's happening. This is a pipeline to capture carbon, something funded exclusively by government and by their lies about energy. And it's not even to service oil and gas, like to offset that. It's to offset the carbon from ethanol, with, with, which in itself was forced into our supply against our will to create less fuel economy and higher food costs, supposedly to help the environment. But now we need another scam to protect that. Oh, that's what they're going to take my land for right here in 9010 Trump areas. Well, you say, well, Daniel, you know, it's got to be a public good. It's got to be a public interest. No. In the state of South Dakota, they could de- designate themselves as a public carrier, like a utility, and boom, they could take your land without a vote from the Utilities Commission and take you straight to court. And that's what they're doing. Stealing the land in a red state for a venture socialist scam that greases the skid, the skids for the worst form of the Davos San Francisco style agenda, but ground zero for it is not in San Francisco and New York. It's in places like Iowa, Nebraska, and the Dakotas. And they're grabbing now. They're like, well, well, Daniel, there's like, it, it's a Republican state, right? I mean, it, it there's there's no Democrats there. Um, in fact, there aren't enough Democrats in that Senate to populate all the committees. And you got an amazing governor. I mean, the best governor we've ever had, right? Christy Nome. So, I mean, th- this is a no-brainer. I mean, it's going to be dealt with. But no. As we mentioned, they had a quick legislative session, refused to deal with this. It, you know, Any effort to block this eminent domain died. And here we are. We have another year to another session. And these owners are left with nothing. And I'm starting to hear from some of them. They're getting condemnation notices from this, this again, horrible, horrible company, uh, foreign-backed and, you know, obviously, again, backed through venture socialism. It is, I mean, if you had to have every worst element, politically and policy-wise, that we're up against, it's, it's in this story. And I, I can't get it to gain traction. Um, I don't understand how... There's no effort to help these people. I I don't get it. But this is emblematic of a substance-free conservative movement. Because this is not in San Francisco. This is an area that we should control and with people that have the most political clout and legislative clout that are subject to the pressure of the top 30 voices in conservative politics. And yet the worst form of life, liberty, property violations, all done to grease the skids of what is COVID times 100. And we can't even get any effort behind this. So we, we're going to have with us today a South Dakota legislator um, to discuss this and more. Uh, first, our interview is sponsored today by our f- final our final partner, is Barrel Buddy. After you come out on our trips to Patriot Academy, well, what's going to happen? 800 rounds fired through your gun. 
don't put that gun back in the safe without cleaning it. It is not safe. It's not good. Um, yeah, I know some people say firearms nowadays could go longer. Um, it's it's easy to clean. You you want to put off your cleaning because it's annoying, but it's not annoying with Barrel Buddy. You take a cartridge, jam it through, and boom, full 360-degree compression. You could do the same thing to lube it, and you're done. You don't have those dirty rags. It's efficient. It's done by great patriots, Jim, Eric, and Paul from Michigan. I've become friends with them, and it's just 15 bucks for 50 Barrel Buddy cartridges. Uh, just make sure you get the right one, 9 millimeter, 40, 45, whatever you have, uh, they have it for you. Cleaning our guns is a really important step to being a responsible gun owner. So, again, the theme today is don't just own a gun, learn how to shoot it, and then learn how to clean it at BarrelBuddy.com. So, folks, John Henson, he is one of our terrific stars, really one of my favorite legislators throughout all the countries in the South Dakota House. Um, he's a lawyer. He's a chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, former Speaker Pro Temp. He's from the eastern part of the state, just north of Sioux Falls. And he is the one who has carried all of our you know, medical freedom bills. And fun fact, he is the only one on committee who voted for the constitutional amendment that we're trying to push in all these states to, uh, to, to bodily autonomy. Uh, he is just really the paradigm of what we need to run for governor, for Senate, uh, this type of thing. Someone who's not just, oh, mogul, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative. But he understands the issues in a smart way, articulates it, formulates policy. So he's with us today to discuss this travesty and more. Hey, John, thanks so much for listening to my filibuster. I want to turn it over to you. Thanks for joining us today at Blaze Media. Hey, thanks for having me, Daniel. It's, uh, it's really great to be with you. Appreciate that introduction. No, and I want people to know the type of people I work with. It's just been a pleasure. Um, you've been so amazing standing up, even if you're the only one on so many issues. So could you explain? You heard what I had to say. Could you explain to our audience how is it that something this grave that that greases the skids for one of the most onerous agendas of the left is being led in, in South Dakota, and I'm not seeing much help or notoriety for these people. What's up with that? Well, yeah, it does kind of blow your mind that something like this could get a foothold in a major way in South Dakota, and there's just very little uh, involvement from elected officials, people you expect especially on the Republican side, you expect to, you know, get elected to go defend your rights and uh, you get mostly silence out of them or you get sort of shilling for the corporate interests. <laughs> and that's really what we're seeing here. I mean, you mentioned it uh, just earlier. We've, we've had like 80 plus landowners now that have been sued with condemnation notices. And there was, uh, there was one landowner that came out to pier, which is where our capital's at, to testify when we tried bringing a bill in the House of Representatives to stop this from uh, happening, to stop this pipeline from being able to use eminent domain uh, to take these people's land without their consent, her name was Wendy Schultz, and she's got a piece of land. She's had it in her family forever. It's been the dream of her life to build on that piece of property and to have her family come back and build a house on the other side of the section. Well, then Summit comes to her and says, um, you know what, we're going to put our pipeline across your land wherever we want. And so just like that, this massive 
corporation from another state that's backed by foreign investors came in and just crushed her dream. And we've heard so many stories like this. And now there's landowners from all across the state. Some of these landowners have had land in their family for four generations. They've been working the land for four generations. And now some big corporation is going to come in, use their land without their consent. And sadly, the Republican Party in this state is not standing up for these landowners. The Republican elected officials, particularly in the Senate and the governor's office, they're not standing up for these landowners when they need it most. So did I explain the legal structure correctly that it's not just that they could employ private use eminent domain, you know, if the government determines it's a public interest, but they don't even need to make that determination? Yeah, so they're, they're operating under a law that uh, is allowing them to be a common carrier. And so I think there's been some litigation where the courts have found that, okay, yep, under the law as written, they would qualify as a common carrier, which then makes them eligible to use eminent domain. And of course, you think back to, well, what were these laws written for? And you think about utilities, water pipelines, utilities. Oil. It's grabbing exactly. nothing but useless carbon. Right. Yeah, there's no way that when these laws were written, it was intended to be a carbon wasteland to advance the liberal climate agenda. But that's what they're utilizing. And so now we've seen these landowners being served with these lawsuits all across the state, and they're just dying for help. I, you know, I cannot even begin to tell you how many landowners that I've heard from that are just begging for help. So we brought a bill this last legislative session. Um, in the House of Representatives, the prime sponsor is a, a great representative by the name of Carla Lems. Um, we introduced the bill in the House. It passed the House of Representatives. So kudos to the House of Representatives for actually standing for these landowners. It goes in the over to the Senate and it dies a hard death. And uh, sadly, the, the Senate wasn't willing to stand up for these landowners. And um, we didn't we didn't hear anything out of uh, our governor either. Yeah, I want to get back to that that portion of this in a minute, but just the mechanics. Do you have, is there a rough estimate as to so this kind of routes through, you know, starts in southeast North Dakota and then goes more towards north central until it deposits into the center part of North Dakota where they're going to have some sort of a permanent cave that somehow is large enough for the equivalent of 41 oil super tankers per day, 365 days a year for the rest of humanity. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. but how many people are in the, are in the way of this pipeline? Well, it's a lot. I mean, you just think about, it's basically cutting through the Northeast corner of our state, starting, um, where, around where I live, which is sort of East central all the way up to North central. It's a huge swath. And last I heard they had been able to go buy the, the, uh, the usage rights from, around maybe half or so of these landowners. But that means half of the landowners from the east side of the state all the way to the north central part of the state are being affected. And like I said before, now these media reports are coming out. You covered it too, that show that, well, okay, now they're starting these eminent domain proceedings. Uh, and these landowners have been served with these condemnation letters. It's a lot of landowners all across the state. Now, what, what are they offering them? Are they saying you could stay on the land, but we'll pay you to use it, or you might have to, or, or, or we could pay for you to buy something else? What, what sort of arrangement deal are they trying to make? Yeah, they come in and they offer them money to be able to bury their pipeline through their land. 
And of course, they start out with a very low ball number. And then once the landowner says no, they'll come in with a little higher number. But then that's when they start saying, well, okay, well, if you don't take this offer, guess what? We're just going to use eminent domain. So it's, it's funny because this isn't, a, this isn't sort of an equal negotiation that you're dealing with. Even in those cases where a landowner might say, okay, I'm willing to go along with this. It's not equal because at the end of the day, this pipeline company is always just going to be able to say, fine, you don't want the check, then I'm coming and taking it, it's whether you like it or not. Because the government gave them the legal authority, they could just come and ex machina and just take it. So Absolutely. You that's know, right. that's that that's the thing. It's not an equal negotiation. Um cause, cause the reason why I ask is because the biggest thing that troubles me is I always say if I can't make people see the light, I want to make them feel the pain. And the problem, and this has to do with just the Federal Reserve and the fact that, at least until now, the government has had so much money to be able to buy everyone off. So what they do is the people that have the benefits are very specific. So they're fight the Dickens for their policy. But then the, the, the harm is usually spread out in a very ambiguous way. Uh, intangible over a broad swath of people. So you don't have a, like a, a constituency that's just like lit to fight it. That's what we have in a lot of policies. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. But here I was thinking, man, I mean, you know, people's lives are on the line. But then like with COVID, it was too. But what they did is, again, they could manufacture $10 trillion and, and they just pay people off. So is there a pretty unified movement like, oh my gosh, we're fighting this? Or are there, and I'm not even judging people but are a lot of them are just like yeah you know they're they they have a lot of money they're offering them money i'll just take the money and then the the ones that don't are a minority is, is that what's going on no there's a big group of landowners that are fighting this um to the last i mean there, there's a lot of people that just do not want their land used for this purpose for whatever reason and you know that reason should be up to them after all their land so there's, there's quite a, an organization of landowners that have formed, but unfortunately they are just completely outgunned um, in large part because they're elected officials who have some ability to use uh, the state to protect them aren't doing it. And so they're facing this huge corporation that's funded out of state and by foreign actors that at the end of the day, if they're able to do this, will be it'll just be like a boondog. It's a windfall of money that will come from the federal government in the form of tax credits. So all the money is on their side. All the power is on their side right now. What they need is the state to come in and defend their rights to acquire and protect their property. But they're just being met with silence or indifference from a lot of elected officials. I will tell you, I am so crushed by this because I'm very down on our politics, but I thought that this was finally finally going to be the battle. Because again, it there, there's everything else we're trying to do in red state is cultural, it's it's principled. So you're fighting the healthcare cartel, you're fighting but we don't have a specific constituency that just their lives are on the line more than anyone else. So you have Sanford Health, for example, your battle on the vaccines and that stuff. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. everyone just broadly, but there's no there's no specific group of people. But here I thought it's in a red state. It's landowners in the state. I thought that's got to, you know, they'll, 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 maybe we won't get Christy Nome and those people to totally fight the green machine, but at least, you know, some sort of accommodation for those people. I thought there would be something. I'm floored that the legislative session ended. Again, it passed it f- passed 40 to 28, which itself is 
that means a ton of Republicans still voted against you, but you got it passed in the House. Yeah. The Senate, nothing happened. So how does Christy Nome glide away? I have not seen a public comment from her either way. How do you have something that earth-shattering going on in the state, and she's quiet? And what does her silence mean? Well, it's a good question. And the bottom line is these landowners, they need her help. And um, right now, they, they haven't been getting it. I mean, as far as I know, the only interaction between Summit and Governor Nome that I've seen is that Summit paid $10,000 to help fund her inaugural uh, party when she got reelected. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I, I haven't seen her speaking to this issue. Now, maybe I've missed it, but I don't think that I have. And when it, when it comes to defending these landowners' rights from this crazy leftist climate agenda where they're coming in and taking our own landowners' property without their consent, I mean, please, we, we need the governor uh, to be outspoken on this issue, but she's just been quiet. So that's, that's how we end up in a situation where the House of Representatives can get this bill passed through, but over in the Senate, it dies a hard death. And, you know, maybe if we had Governor Nome's support on that, we could have got it a little further in the process and onto her desk. But for, for right now, um, when it comes to defending these landowners' rights from the radical leftists who are pushing their climate agenda through this corporation, there has been nothing but silence as far as I've seen. Can you talk about some of the donors, lobbyists, um, executives, involved in Summit Carbon and who they are politically? Well, a lot of the, a lot of the, the sort of executives in Summit are not from South Dakota. They are from Iowa because it's an Iowa company. Yeah, big but GOP you've got donors some of, in Iowa, that, that's, that's definitely there. But right, but what then about, you, we've got some of yeah. their, their lawyers that are representing them over in South Dakota here. And, uh, you know, one in particular is the is the current treasurer of the South Dakota Republican Party. Oh. So, again, we you know, you've got these these diehard conservative Republican South Dakotans who elect uh, members of our own party to go and defend their rights. And then it's members of our own party that are turning around and saying, well, oh, sorry, you don't want us to take it too bad. We're suing you, and we're going to take it whether you like it or not. So the person on the one of the petitions for condemnation we saw was, um, you know, again, this this uh, state party treasurer. Uh, that, that's pretty unbelievable. Uh, what is he? Brent uh, Konek. And then Aaron Sheeb, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is another name on there. That was Christy Nome's first chief of staff. Who, what's this guy about? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, uh, so that's the sort of the Aaron Scheib is his name. And, uh, he works for a law firm out in Pierre and yeah, he's the lead attorney, former chief of staff to governor Christy Nome. So that's the, that's the crew that, that is advocating locally on behalf of summit carbon to come in and take these landowners property with their consent. See, the reason why I want to talk about this, not just because this in itself is such an important issue, it gets to the core of what America was founded for, the core of this kind of rural 
you know, city divide that we think we can get away from it and we want to get away from it. And then the worst elements of the urban hippie crazies follows you more prominently on this issue to those areas because that's where the land is. And you have like literally four Democrats or something, three Democrats left in that Senate, um, a handful in the House. You have a very notorious, you know, famous Republican um governor and we just they're 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 part of it and and i think this gets to the core of everything on covid fascism the trannyism pretty much any issue we illegal immigration for sure is that everyone's like i'm pro-life i'm pro-gun i'm for lower taxes okay so they come in and they say that all of them you know i'm sure these people like you know shibe and that treasurer and the party chair and all these people, all the party officials, they'll come in and they'll campaign on that. Yeah, I'm one of you. I attend Bible study with you. We're all kind of one. But on the issues that actually matter relative to, you know, this kind of like broad agenda of the WEF, the biomedical security state, the, um, the, all this stuff is just, they're, they're, they're for it. And 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 until we're, I don't know, I don't know how to say this. I mean, until we address this, aren't we going to have this problem on every new issue that emerges that we need not to find bad. out? Not like, oh, you know, in the past this was a mistake. Oh, the Democrats did this. Hey, I I don't, I don't know how to say this any stronger. If you can't get this done with no Democrat party in existence, and again, what bothers me is. You guys don't have, like, Doug Burgum, who's North, the North Dakota governor, total progressive. I mean, I'm trying to be a little bit charitable to Christy Nome here. You have someone who is regarded and kind of elevated in conservative circles, conservative media. Um, to her credit, when a lot of you guys raised issues about that ICC bill with the central cu- currency and cryptocurrency um, – you know, some of us made Kane about it, and she listened, and she vetoed it, and that was very consequential yep. because then most states then got off of it, and in, in right. most states we succeeded in in um, torpedoing that. And I give uh, you and some of your colleagues in the South Dakota House were really instrumental in that you led on that. Christy Nome delivered, and that was great. But I look mm-hmm. at this issue, and it is so grave. Why is there no pressure on the governor? Well, I don't think there has been up to this point. I mean, going back to your earlier point, we, we heard from so many people who moved to South Dakota throughout the COVID uh, pandemic. We started calling them blue state refugees because we had a lot of people in South Dakota developed a bit of a reputation for being uh, pro-freedom when it came to some of this uh, lockdown stuff. And so these blue state refugees, as we call them, start moving to South Dakota. And then like legislative session rolls around. They're like, wait a second, what? Why, why is this or that getting passed in South Dakota? That's not what I, I thought I was getting when I moved here. And the reality is, I think in a lot of ways, the lobbyist interests are very powerful and uh, too many members are just sort of beholden to the, the, uh, like the corporatist interests. And um, you know, too many politicians are, are more worried about their own reelection than what doing what's right and getting back to first principles. And I know that sounds stereotypical. And in many ways, when I first got into office and 
you know, you saw that happening out in Washington. You never expected that people would be more interested in, you know, bending over to a corporation for the sake of being, let's say, pro-business than defending uh, landowners' rights. But that's exactly what we're seeing. And as you're, as you're addressing, it's not just on this issue. It's all sorts of issues. It was on the vaccines. Um, it was on e- even, you know, just this last session, we had a bill to ban these cross-sex procedures on minor children that we're seeing all over the country. Yeah, whatever happened to that? Well, this year we passed it. And, and in, in large part, it's thanks to a lot of attention from the yeah. national level that helps a lot to sort of focus the issue and bring pressure down on the political process. Because three years ago, we brought that bill and it was the same thing. It passed the House, it died in the Senate. And at the time, uh, Governor Nome wasn't supportive of that bill. So, you know, we, we so owe it was signed a lot. Into law? This year it was signed into law. We passed that law. So that, 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 and yeah. that, that was good progress. But again, I'm not seeing a torrent of these like we're seeing in Florida, where across the spectrum, a couple of them you had in the House, some passed the House. But I'm not seeing most across most issues enough of these passing out and signed by law, given the official notoriety of, of Governor No. And, and here's the thing. I think you know me by now, John. I am mm-hmm. not – I would much rather work with someone to get things done than be like, oh, I'm going to uncover that you're really a fraudulent conservative and here are all the things you did wrong. Like, It's no secret that I've criticized a lot of things, her associations and her views, and I'm not happy about it. But I would – I want to make her a champion. It's, it's, it's a small state um, – you know, the Democrats have no power. Come on, just grab the bull by the horns. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, and that's kind of the thing. We got to get around this corporate thing, but I want I want to – you mentioned the healthcare stuff, and obviously you've done a lot of work on this. And this is what I can't get around with Christy Noem and all the people who think like her and are associated with her and the people who are the equivalent. And it's not her. It's everyone pretty much except for the Florida governor operates like this, every other Republican governor. And – so when it came to COVID, they were like, let me tell you, I'm pro-free market. I don't like you know, g- getting involved in business, even though it violated human rights. And it was only done at the behest of government federal mandates that created the free market didn't create poison shots and, and masking. It was done because of all the tendentious anti-market favor, favor of the government, marketing, funding, distributing, recommending, uh, uh, indemnifying, and then mandating in at least in many in the public sphere. So then, you know, businesses latch mm-hmm. on to that because they work with government, government worked with them, censored, all this stuff. But no, I, I can't fight back against it because of the business. Okay, fine. But then you come to green energy, and suddenly those market values go out the window. It's like, yeah. here it is, whatever you want, tendentious treatment, things that would not succeed. And carbon capture is the epitome of something that is so not economical, even if you believe in the broader agenda and, and the lie. That's number one. And number two, John, I just want to see it to say, I understand the Christy Gnome type of people 10, 12 years ago, like the Solyndra era. Where it was viewed like, yeah, there's a couple of hippie nuts that are saying we want to live without, you know, prosperity and without cars one day. But, you know, whatever. It's just so we're going to have oil and gas. But, yeah, you want to fund some solar panels. We'll fund it. We'll fund some electric cars. But now this is really serious. 
They are banning mm. it. This stuff is scarce. They're making it expensive. And it is very clear they are on the I mean, I, I, I don't I don't want to put words in her mouth. I don't know if she has used the term. I forget. But I know the North Dakota governor has used the term 2030, you know, carbon neutral by 2030. She Christy Noem has definitely indulged the policies behind it. I don't understand that. Well, it's like uh, it's like the Republican. A lot of our, our Republican Party is like on mental autopilot when it comes to dealing with business, mm. because for so long, the Republican Party has been the party of pro business. And of course, we want you know, a free market. We want lower regulations. We want lower taxes. We want a, you know, a, a free, a free market where the, where businesses can thrive and, and produce their goods. That's all good, but that's not really what the corporate interests are doing anymore. Um, they're either, they're either trying to shill for more money out of the government trough or even worse, as you see in these, in these healthcare fights, uh, if you can call it that, or in these land fights, they're, the left is utilizing these corporations to advance their agenda in ways that violate very fundamental rights of our citizens. And if the Republican Party can't begin to see that, that it's not just fighting against Joe Biden and the Democrats in Washington, D.C., but that those same people are using any means necessary, including private corporations, to advance their agenda to infringe on the rights, the natural fundamental rights of our citizens. If they can't see that, then we're in big trouble we're in because the Republican trouble. Party would be the last stand against those things. And if we just let businesses and corporations in the name of the free market trample all over the private property rights and all over the fundamental liberty interests of our citizens, we're toast. We're just toast. But it's not. But that's the thing. It's not even free market. I agree with with you with individual rights over corporate rights. But part of the eminent domain and these things, they were predicated on the efficiency of markets. Meaning that if it would be that much of a if if they would get to the point where they'd be able to take your land, there would be that much of a compelling interest that naturally mm-hmm. would flow in that direction as a public interest. But we all know that this thing, quite literally, I, I forgot. I have the estimate here. Um, based on Biden's bill, and it's unbelievable. This is based on Biden's IRA, that his big signature bill that every Republican's like, oh, that's crazy, right? Every Republican opposed it. But this whole thing that Republicans are latching onto in the states is, where where are we here? And I'm trying to find the number. It's several hundred billion, you know, because they lowballed it. Uh, Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. now has their own estimate. Uh, CBO lied. They, you know, the 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 value by 2040, it's it's like it's hundreds of billions of carbon capture credits that are in that that were doled out now, and the EPA is now working on that. The government's now working on that. Without that anti-market policy, it wouldn't get off the ground. I am fine exactly. without any government. The government's putting headwinds on our energy and tailwinds behind their stuff. If you take that all away and you want to dabble in solar and wind, go knock yourself out. Now, I don't think yep. you'll you'll knock yourself out in a different way. I, I don't think you're going to be able to succeed. But the, and it's the same thing with Pfizer. We have 3,500 known. There's a lot more, but that people have gathered, gathered 3,500 peer-reviewed papers, even with all the censorship, on damage to covering every corner of the body from the toe to the eyewall an ear of, of damage from the shots. If you had a modicum of even compensatory damages, much less punitive, 
a, a cause of action in court, the thing would be shut down in a minute. They wouldn't, the market forces but wouldn't be able to stand. But they violated the Seventh Amendment and, and completely cleared it. They censored, they blocked, they monopolized, they, they, they marketed, distributed, funded. And they're like, oh, but the company could fail. Need a no. I mean, what is wrong with these people? Man, am I pissed. Yeah. I, I hear you, man. This would not be happening if not for uh, Democrats in Washington and the far left uh, climate agenda backers pushing this with billions of dollars in federal tax credits. And that's why you, you, we just need the Republican Party to be able to see that and say, nope, not here. Uh, it, yeah, if, if you want to do that through the free market, if people want to use their own land, you know, for whatever purpose, I don't really care. You know, it's their land. This is freedom. You should be able to do that. But when you've got Summit, an out-of-state for-profit corporation with foreign investors suing landowners in our state to use their land without their consent, they're using our laws and our courts against their own people. That is not freedom. And that should not happen in a free state. And the only reason it's happening is because it's being funded massively through the Democrats in Washington, D.C. And if the Republican Party doesn't step up and stop them, then our citizens will be left to suffer. You know, I found it amazing uh, during the State of the Union address, Biden did mention something to the effect of, hey, and, you know, all the all you guys are booing me on this. But, you know, when I, we have these red ribbon cutting ceremonies on the you know IRA <laughs> provisions, all these Republican governors are all into it. That's OK. I'm, I'm president of all the people. I get it. And you know what? He wasn't wrong. That is true. Mm -hmm. And so in Washington, because again, they were in the minority, so they all vote against it. But but once on the implementation side, it's the red states that are actually getting it more because they have more land, whether it's the electric car infrastructure, the solar, the wind, and this and this and the carbon capture and sequestration. They're they're doing it. And and it's like I if I could sit down for a minute with Governor Nome, it would be like See, too many of our guys don't understand the politics, and this is what I'm trying to get to, and I want you to close up and speak to this a little bit from your experience. Too many think, oh, it's a bunch of globalist fraud Republican rhinos, so I'm going to go and find a good Republican. Now, there, there are some that are straight up fraud. There's, there's an element, but it's, it's a lot harder than that. It's not A lot of them, I think they start out with some of the same motivations as, as you and I do, but it's hard. It's not easy. I get it that – because we've been complacent for four decades with a fake Republican Party, it's allowed the Democrats to run every large corporation in all 50 states. Not just the blue states, but the biggest top five, ten employers in a red state are just as woke and terrible as, as the ones in the blue states. That is a fact. So you have to deal with that. So it's not, just, oh, I'll elect someone who's more conservative. Most of them, they're going to have the same problem. Now, like, like Christy, I get it. It's tough that it's a small state. You struggle for money, and the top employers are horrible. They're bought into the biomedical security state, every aspect of the woke agenda, the global warming agenda. But what are we going to do about it? I mean, I understand it. Yeah, I may as well get some profit from it, help grease the skids. It's not even corrupt in mind. I understand the pressure. But do you not see they're, what they're openly saying they're going to do, and they're moving there? They're... they're they're banning the American car, and even if it's not quite at the 2030 time that they want to, they're making them more expensive, more scarce, 
pricing the middle class out of the ability to afford energy. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Why are you helping that agenda? Did I kind of frame that right in terms of some of your colleagues? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say this, that the state legislators and the state legislatures more generally it seemed to me, and you know, that this is my world, and so maybe I'm a little biased here, but they seem to me to be sort of the last bastion of hope um, unless, unless national leadership dramatically changes. Um, they seem to be the last bastion of hope for a lot of the defense of our fundamental liberties. And in many ways, I think that's because at least here in South Dakota, um, our state legislative races, they're not that expensive and yep. so it, there's not as much room for corporations to come and just buy um, politicians and select their favored politician and fund up their campaigns. Um, but more and more, I've seen that start to creep in where, you know, these donor interests get more involved in these state legislative races and they're going out there and they're selecting their preferred candidates. Yep. They're donating to them in mass. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and you have a more moderate legislature. So, uh, you know, more than anything, I think what people need to do, and I know that you've beat this drum a lot on your show, is make sure you pay attention to your state legislature and uh, make sure that you're active in, um, in, in electing the right sorts of people at that level. And, you know, maybe at least state by state, we can start to save this country. But so much of our politics is just bought and sold, and then they get in there and they fund up a bunch of this leftist agenda and uh, those corporations who receive the money turn around and donate the money to their favorite candidate. And it's just like a downward spiral for the country. Um, so, so I would just encourage everybody, please be active at your local level, at your leg state legislative level. Um, because unless, a, a, unless something changes dramatically in Washington, um, that's going to be where your rights are actually defended. And that's what this story comes full circle. We used to view this local politics like garbage collection, and then there's the civilization issues that are federal. But what we're finding is no. I mean, you need to combat and interpose against the civilization issues at a local level. And this brings it full circle. I mean, this is the biggest Great Reset, Davos. This is their agenda, and they're not quiet about it. They're just open. They literally all say we're going to transition out of cars and carbon by 2030. I mean, what the hell do you think that means? I mean, and it's not just some, like, radical professor. It's every interest, every political, legal, cultural, corporate interest is successfully implementing that. I mean, they are literally on that road. We're halfway down that that that, that uh, um gutter and i just at some point humanity needs to matter and what scares me is if if my colleagues can't focus on stories like this if they can't focus on south dakota yes i agree that the corporate interests are just as powerful in bed in south dakota as they are in washington blue states nationally whatever but the difference is if you can't push back where the political culture of the people are much, much more favorable than certainly where they're much, the left is much stronger because yeah, half the country hates us, you know, in Washington. There's no way you're going to fix that. Oh, it's too hard, mm -hmm. Daniel. Sanford Health. I get it. But yeah, what? You're going to remake Washington? No way. 
No way. Don't don't lie to me. Then the entire conservative talk radio circuit is a lie. If you can't focus in your own home field, you can't win a home game. You're not going to win an away game. So that's what that's what really bothers me here. Uh, one final thing. You mentioned we focus on the legislature. But what do we do when you have a 40-day session? And by the time we could even begin to build momentum, it's over and we're done for a year. That's really tough. I mean, you're, you're, you're right about that. Our legislature, and I don't think this is just in South Dakota. It's, uh, it's across the country in many of these states. The legislature is, is weakened tremendously as a branch of government by just the shortened uh, length of session. Now, the people aren't going to expand that. They don't want more government in that sense. So um, being a legislator, though, isn't just about legislating at the 40 days uh, while you're at session. Um, so we need legislators to be outspoken and to yes. be on the front line defending these people's rights. And you don't get paid for it. You know, we don't, in South Dakota, you, know, you don't get, get paid, paid like in the $10,000. Yeah, just about like 10 or 12 or something like that <laughs> for those two for those two months that you're out there in pier. And then, you know, there's, you don't get paid after that. You know, uh, when you're not in session and we're not on a committee, you're not getting paid. And that means that when you run for these offices, you have to know you're not just signing up for, for doing the job when you're getting paid. Um, if you're going to represent these people, you have to represent them throughout the year, yes. whether you're making money or not. So that's, that's the message to these legislate, legislators across the country where they're, the, they're these shorter sessions. Um, if you want to be there to defend the people's rights, you got to stand up to the plate year round and get the message out there. Going back to the COVID stuff, going back to the, the trans stuff with Stanford Health, the number one thing that people, the, the number one reaction that I would get from people when I would tell them that some of this stuff is going on is that they didn't know. They didn't even know about it. So that's why just bringing attention to the, these things like you have helped us out with tremendously here in the state is so important because it flies under the radar yes, and where does. you could build some momentum, where you could build some momentum on some of these issues. Nobody knows about the it. The dichotomy so, between people who work on policy and people who watch Fox News, right? A lot of people are like, oh, what did Vivek do that's wrong? What did Trump do that? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, yeah, I mean, what do you want from me? I don't have anything personal against them. It's the same thing with Christy. I like and, and I know, you know, some of her people listening, her allies, like, I, I would much rather champion her than try to find things to bash her with. I, I, we, I want outcomes. We, we need people to do this. Like, I don't want to say, oh, there's only one good governor. I want to be able to say there's 20 of them. So we have a place to go. You can't just say, oh, I'm a pro-gun, anti-abortion version of a, of a blue state. Well, you could have your guns all you want, but it's not working against the land grab. Um, you know, it's not, you could have your, you know, anti-abortion all you want. It doesn't work against their genocide with the vaccines. And that's the mm. thing. you got to confront the issues that matter. And, you know, and I, I, I don't want to get up there and say it's easy. It's not. I want to say it's very hard when, when you have the biggest employers in the state own the state and the interest. It's not easy. But so mm. therefore you have to recognize it. it's not just, I just come in there and say, oh, Biden and woke agenda sucks. Okay, that's great, but then you vote for it because, you know, they own you. We got to find some way of creating a movement uh, that that sustains the courage of individual members to try to push back, build a parallel economy and political economy. 
And like you said, that's going to require a full time. You're not just a vote. You're a voice. Get together. Get your colleagues together all 12 months of the year. Do media on this land grab. Do media on the vaccine. Do media on the other ways that the pollution, the carbon footprint of this disgusting, licentious, anti-God, anti-family, anti-country agenda is seeping into South Dakota. And keep it out. Create a sanctuary. Keep up the good work. Thank you, John, and thank you all for listening. Folks, Till next time, God bless you all. Thank you for listening.